Christ is ascended. Amen. This beautiful time, this really quiet and hidden time of the ascension that uh, is the most hidden of all the feasts. Um, it's our time to, in private, practice flying because that is our destiny. Man was meant to fly. I know that Father James preached on, on ascension, so I won't go on that, but today we do want to remember a very important event in the life of the church, and that is uh, the council that takes place, uh, the first ecumenical council in Nicaea in the year uh, 325. And about 30 years ago, I had the great privilege of uh, going to Constantinople, and right outside of Constantinople, in the kind of, it would have been uh, like a more, well, it's a, a suburb of Constantinople is Nicaea. Now it's just a little village, there's not much there. It would have been maybe a place uh, that you could get out of the city and go on retreat. And still today, or at least 30 years ago, uh, there was a church that was built right on top of uh, the original church that was there at that council uh, with uh, the Constantine called together in 325. And uh, got to stand in that place and still some of the arches were there. They're almost buried underground now. But on top of the one arch, I remember seeing fading away uh, the mother of God. On an icon of the Mother of God painted into the wall. It's it's just a ruin that's outside. It's not covered at all. It's I don't know. Thirty years later, maybe it's the whole place is painted away. Um, I would say that the the Turks don't have a great uh, buy-in to to, to keeping it as a historical uh, monument. But it is a great place, and and they told us we could not pray there that we absolutely could not pray there. So you know what I did? We pray. We call on the name of the Lord. That was an important place uh, where these great fathers came together. And last night we named a few of those. Uh, we, we named uh, Nicholas, uh, who, yeah, who, uh, you know, gave uh, Arius a slap upside of the head with a lot of love and uh, told him to remember who he was, though he could not. It's a dangerous thing to forget who you are and to lose the truest thing that this is life. We just heard in the gospel, this is life. What is it? To know Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and especially to know the Son, Jesus Christ. To know that he's truly God and truly man. These are the things that they were re-emphasizing at this great council in Nicaea. And how important that is for us to know without wavering. To know it, uh, not just in our heads, but to have experienced our Lord Jesus Christ as our dearest friend. Our Lord and our Savior. The God-man and to know him in his humanity and his divinity, undivided. They can't be pulled back out again. We only know him now as the God-man, who has revealed the Father and who sends the Holy Spirit, which we'll celebrate next week. May that be very blessed next Sunday, the Feast of Pentecost. All right, well, this is just all by way of introduction. 
because I want to really go to the text we heard from St. Paul uh, that Rita Basil gave to us this morning. And uh, it's a very important text because St. Paul is basically saying the same thing. We have to hold fast to the faith which has been once delivered forever to the saints. And uh, so this is the situation there that St. Paul, he sails past Ephesus. Now, he had served in Ephesus for three years. It was the longest he served anywhere. He was always on the move. But Ephesus, he was there for three years. He really did a lot of ministry. And we're going to hear about that in just a moment. But he sails past it. Why? Because he knows he wants to get to uh, Jerusalem for Pentecost. He knows if he stops in Ephesus, what's going to happen? He's not going to get away for a long, long time. Because everyone's going to want to talk with him. Everyone's going to want to spend time with him. He had been there a long time. He had, he had made many connections. And so he sails past to Miletus, I think it is. It's a, a town just down uh, the way. And he sends uh, for the elders, for the bishops and priests and so forth from Ephesus to come on down and to meet with them. And they meet out on the beach. And it's really a poignant event that takes place. And he says these words, first of all. He says, take heed to yourselves. He's talking now as an archbishop to his bishops and to uh, the priests and deacons and so forth. Take heed to yourselves and to all your flock. For I know that after my departure, ravenous wolves will enter among you, not sparing the flock. Why are we concerned with heresy? Why are we as the church? Why are these councils called? Why are we concerned with heresy? Because we have to be right? No, because heresy hurts people. The reason we're concerned with heresy is that ravishes the flock, it, 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 uh, it destroys the flock of Christ. That's why we're concerned with heresy. Theological heresy and moral heresy. We're watching in a time in our age now where both theological heresy and moral uh, way we live our lives heresy is is abundant. It's flowering everywhere, is it not? It's crazy. And what is it doing? It's, it's destroying people. It's hurting people. When somebody says something like, well, I want you to treat me like a cat because I identify as a cat or a dog or I don't know what, this, that, or the other thing. We say no, not because we, we hate them, but because we love them. And we know that, that that way of thinking will lead them into a destructive way. We care about people. And we're willing to go to the mat out of our love, just like Nicholas did um, in Nicaea. So St. Paul says these words. For I know that after my departure, ravening wolves will enter among you, not sparing the flock, and from among yourselves 
will arise men speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples from them. Even within the church, the Orthodox Church, there will be people who will arise and teach false things, again, both theological and moral things, even from within the church. And today, Lord have mercy, they have the internet. It's crazy. And some have even university positions that they can do this from. And again, our concern, brothers and sisters, is not like we're like big controlling people that have to always be in charge and control everybody's thoughts and everything like that. That's not the, the reason we're concerned. It's that heresy hurts people. Therefore, St. Paul says, remain watchful, remembering that for three years I did not cease to admonish you night and day with tears. If you can feel that St. Paul's like, he's, he's telling them, and he goes on to say, you know, I coveted, I, I coveted none of your money, your apparel, with, my, with these hands. He said, with these hands, I labored myself to provide my needs. In other words, I didn't take anything from you. I only came to give. I only came to give. And he says these things about being on guard with tears in his eyes. I hope you can feel the event that's taking place here. And in all things I have shown you that by laboring, we ought to help the weak and to remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ who said himself that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Isn't that an interesting thing? Many of you have Bibles that are called the red letter Bibles, right? All the, the words of Jesus are in red letters in the gospel. This is a red letter line. These are the, this is a quote of Jesus. It's not in any of the four gospels. Did you know that? This saying, which is, tells us that there were many things that Jesus said that aren't in the gospel. Books and books and books could have been written with the words and his teachings and parables that didn't get in the gospel. Not because they weren't important, because it was just impossible to get them all. And this is one of the ones that everyone knew, as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would say. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Isn't that a beautiful word? And then it says that he knelt down in the sand. Ooh, it's hard to even speak about this without weeping. And maybe that's why they didn't add the, the next line in the epistle reading. They cut it off before we get there because we would all be weeping if we heard this. But I'm going to tell you what it says. It says, they knelt down into the sand and prayed. And then he kissed them upon the cheek. And they all wept, knowing that they would not see his face again. He was on his way to Jerusalem. And uh, from there uh, to Rome, he set his face like flint, like our Savior did when he headed to Jerusalem. 
to be crucified. Well, St. Paul set his face towards Rome. And so they kissed each other. It was a leave-taking of profound love because they were one like the father and son were one. They loved each other and they gave their lives that others might live. That's what these councils are about. That's what hard words are about. They're given out of love. That said, I think it's important to also say also as a kind of warning and caution to us, especially to us Orthodox, that the Fathers say it's often easier to get up if we've fallen off the left side of the boat than if we've fallen off of the right. What do the Fathers mean by that? That when we fall on those sins of uh, licentiousness and uh, the you know, moral sins and things like that. We know we've sinned and oftentimes we can get right back up and we can come to confession, we can say, I fell off uh, the left side, we call it. But to fall off the right side is often very, very dangerous. And what do I mean by that? Self-righteousness, super-correctness, the disease of the Pharisee, who thought they were so right that when God Almighty stood right in front of their faces, they could not discern him, even though they believed they knew the word of God backwards and forwards and wanted to correct God Almighty. To fall off the right is a dangerous thing. And so when we give strong words about holding to the faith, we mean that, and we also mean not in a self-righteous, pharisaical way should we hold these. Are you all with me on this? Orthodoxy is paradoxy. It's not this versus that, it's both ends. It's this and that. Hard words and love. Hard words not in a pharisaical way. And we know this is important and that God Almighty wanted the church in Ephesus to know this. How do we know? Because about 30 years later, about the same amount of time it was for me when I was in Nicaea, about 30 years after St. Paul gave this word to the Ephesian bishops, God sent another word to the church in Ephesus. Do you know that? It's in the book of Revelation. And to the angel of the Lord who dwells in Ephesus, write this. What does he say to Ephesus through the angel of Ephesus? What does he say? I know your works. I know your labors. I know your patience and how you cannot bear 
with evil and how you have tried them who say they are apostles and are not. And you have found them liars. And for my name's sake, you have labored and have not fainted. He's commending them for doing all the things St. Paul told them to do. Right? Nevertheless, I have this one thing against you. You know, what is the one thing? <clears throat> we may do so many things right, but what is the thing that, that the Lord would say, but this has to be healed, this has to be corrected? I have this one thing against you. that you've lost your first love. That you've lost your first love. For me, the Lord says. Have you ever been there? This is a disease that priests and bishops and deacons especially can fall into. They're so busy oftentimes doing the labor of the Lord, doing the works, doing all of these things, needing to, to correct, needing to say what the hard words are, trying to, you know, be with people in this and so forth. It's a disease all of us can fall into, but especially your clergy, and I ask you and beg you to pray for us that we would not lose our first love. What would it be to gain the whole world but to lose that union and communion with God Almighty, with our Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, this is a hard word, but a loving word the Lord says to these people. I've seen all your labor. I know how much you have held to the faith. I know it's cost you. Nevertheless, I have this one thing. And I wonder where you've gone. where that first love went. And I'm calling you back. I'm calling you back home. Because you can be right and still go to hell. If hell is understood as being separated from God. You can be correct in everything. And still miss the most important. That God came because he loves the world. He didn't come to judge the world. He came to save the world. 
And so the Lord says to this beautiful church of Ephesus, remember, remember who you are and repent. And again, that word repent is, is so full of often heavy uh, psychological interpretation. When we hear repent, we often see finger wagging and so forth. Repent is simply means a metanoia is the Greek word, a change of the noetic, the noetic vision. To change your view, you've been looking this way, now I want you to look back again. I want you to be like the prodigal son who remembered his father and who turned his gaze back homeward and set off back into the embrace and into the arms of his beloved Lord and Father. This is what the Lord says to the church in Ephesus. Remember and repent and turn back home because I await you with loving open arms. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Amen.